Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash CNE Games or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bucamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times as well as how gaming affects us. If you're thus live in the chat, you leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, will ask them later in the show. And our topic today is happiness versus satisfaction. But before we get to that, Mitra, Dr. B, who are you for the people who may not know. So I'm Mitra Jordan, and I'm a therapist practicing out of Victoria, BC. I love games. Um, I often talk about games in my work, and um, I am a practicing therapist. So that's me. And now I'm going to pass it over to my friend. <laughs> well, I, that was presumptuous of me to assume you meant me. But oh. I'm still <laughs> well, I did kind of do this motion. Supposed got, to no, it's the other way. It's the other way. Dang, I hate this. No, it's man. A, yeah, it's the other way. You gotta. Uh, I'm over on the other side. You're right there for me, and so forth. But um, at any rate, so I am Rafael Bocamazzo, better known as Doctor B for long Italian name reasons, and I uh, still every time. It's a good joke. Every Leave time. me alone. <laughs> uh, and, but I am a non-practicing doctor of clinical psychology. I used to work with people I don't anymore. Uh, may in the future, I don't know. But I am the clinical director of TakeThis.org, which was at the time the very first mental health nonprofit to serve the game community uh, by destigmatizing and educating on mental health matters. And I am also an expert on the applied use of, of role-playing games in clinical and learning settings. And I am a purveyor of many, many fine dad jokes. Many fine dad jokes. And because the chat specifically asked, I'm I'm going to give you all one right now. What did one wall say to the adjoining wall? What? Let's meet up, let's meet up in the corner. <laughs> oh, God. And we've lost all of you. <laughs> This is how it's going to go today. I, yeah, I this is basically I, how this is all going to go down. I, I feel like that's a good uh, intro for a happiness versus satisfaction. <laughs> May not bring happiness, but it's bringing satisfaction. I am so satisfied with myself right now. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord, the chat. This is my fault and I accept it. <laughs> I don't know. I think he should take some responsibility. <laughs> I've got more. I've like, I've always, I've got we them know. on hand. We, we we're just spent the last hour with you. We know. <laughs> I think we're pretty clear on that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so to the topic at hand, um, where do we want to start on happiness versus satisfaction? <sighs> I mean, should we like define our terms as we so often do? <laughs> Let's define our terms. It makes for a good start. So... <laughs> What is happiness? And why do people struggle with it? Also, why is it so important in the grand scheme of things to be happy? Or why do we, why have we decided it's so important? Because it's a really common question, are you happy, right? And it's kind of a measure um, of, of how one is doing in one's life, right? So what do we mean when we ask that question? That it... Well, I mean, I, I can say from I can say from the days back when I did work with people uh, that very few people have an answer for that because I, the, as longtime viewers will 
will know or may have noticed, I'm big on defining terms. This is my autism brain at work. I want to know what I'm dealing with. I want to have a framework. I want to I want to be able to do all that stuff. And for most people that I've talked to, what is happiness is this incredibly nebulous concept that mm -hmm. almost nobody has an answer for yet everybody craves and even denigrates themselves for not achieving right not being happy enough right yeah so here's the problem from my perspective happiness is an emotion and if we know anything about emotional states we know they vary throughout the day maybe even throughout the minutes. So you might be feeling happy. You might be experiencing upset about something else in the background. You might also be dealing with a bit of grief and loss or something. There might be some niggling, irritating thing you're, you're, you know, that's kind of you're thinking about. Um, and so experiencing a pure emotion as in just one and not a number of them at once is actually very difficult. It's not how emotion works in the brain. Um, and it's certainly, you know, most of us, when we talk about happiness, we have a hard time quantifying that, usually because there's a lot of other things that we're experiencing at the same time, a lot of other feelings. And emotions, as I said, are transient. They come and go. Mm -hmm. So we're asking ourselves, if we say we should feel happy all or most of the time, we're actually asking ourselves to do something quite, if not difficult, I mean, I think it's impossible, actually. Well, I, I, yeah, think about any other emotion. Think about absolutely, absolutely any other emotion. Yeah. And I don't care whether it is, I, I don't care whether it's anger. I don't care whether it's fear. I don't care whether it's sadness. Uh, any other single emotion, if you were to feel it all the time, that would be a problem. Huge. And we don't have an expectation that we would. In fact, if if uh, if I say, yes, you know, you're angry all the time, you know, I'd get a lot of people that's saying, concerning. what? No, that's concerning. First of all, that's concerning. Second of all, it's not actually true. Nor would we think it at all healthy emotionally to expect to feel fear all the time, anger right. all the time, you know, uh, anxiety or worry all the time. Uh, or numbness, absence of emotion, you know, depression or feelings that are like that. We don't expect to feel them all the time. And when a person is experiencing them most or more often of the time, you know, that's actually a measure for how we identify mental health issues, right? You fill out a questionnaire and it says, how often do you feel X? Um, and it usually has a gradient of, say, 1 to 5 or 1 to 7 or 1 to 10. And you fill it out, and that gives you a mostly always never, you know, those kinds of quantifiable sort of terms to make sense of how often am I feeling this way. So when we say we should feel happy all the time, or we should, or ought, or must, um, that's a problem, you know, because it's not how, how we function. Yeah, it's... It, it, so one of the metaphors I like to, or the analogies I like to use is to thinking about emotions and moods because they're different in the same way as psych as same way as weather versus climate mm -hmm. and the idea that you know I we can have weather you know and it can change from moment to moment day to day and but climate is trends well it's the same thing with emotions in mood that our emotions change on uh, our emotions change on a moment to moment basis but what we're looking mm -hmm. for is a long term thing here and that seems to be what people imply when they're talking about happiness but it's still such a vague notion mm -hmm. that so many of the people I used to work with were like uh, were despite not knowing what it is, we're often getting down on themselves for not having achieved this thing that they have no idea what it is. Right. And that is, that's a no-win situation for anybody. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly, because if we don't know what we're shooting for, how can we possibly get there? Like if we haven't got a clear goal, um, and conversely, it's a little worrying too when people put off um, experiences because uh, of their state. So by what that I mean, you know, um, I'm working towards this thing, then I'll be happy. I'll lose 10 pounds, then I'll be happy. Um, I'll finish my degree and then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you'll if you achieve a goal, sure, you'll feel better about yourself for having achieved a goal that is important to you, whatever that goal might be. And definitely there's satisfaction in completing a long-term goal like a, a degree or any other pursuit that we have, uh, getting a promotion at work, um, starting your first therapy practice way back when. That felt pretty good. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Along the way, we want to experience our range of emotions, and we hope in there that there's joy and elation and delight and connection and love and all of these emotions that are not uh, happiness exactly, but are certainly part of our overall um, gamut of human experience and emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, so. can I can I tell you, Mitra, who I'm angry at in this conversation? <laughs> By all means. Okay. I'm angry at the oatmeal. At- okay. <laughs> oh, I w- I thought you meant the food. I'm no. Like- no, I sometimes I, I'm am like- angry at oatmeal. If it's lumpy like, and I'm cold, never- I'm not going to no. be happy with oatmeal. No, the oatmeal. <laughs> okay. No, I, okay. So I, I, it's it's so funny. I. I, I, I used to talk to clients back in the day about this stuff all the time, and it was this long, nuanced conversation. And then I read the Oatmeal's version of why I'm completely unhappy. And it's so genius and yeah. so succinct and so well done. Mm-hmm. And it, it, if all of you have have in the chat have never read the the com the webcomic The Oatmeal, um, especially how their comic, How to Be Perfectly Unhappy. It's so brilliant. Definitely look that up, and it's easy to find. And it yep. is brilliant. It is so brilliant. Yeah. And I, 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 everything, basically, like, everything we're going to say is, like, summarized <laughs> in... Sorry, sorry we're not uh, as, uh, as well animated. Uh... <laughs> I can work on that. Yeah, yes. But We're I, a little I guess, more interactive. I'll yeah, give us that. That's true. Um, I, I guess the question that I have going from what we talked about is, would you say that, because, you know, the, what Mitra was talking about is like, oh, when I do this, then I'll be happy when I do this. Because, like, I, I know that I've done that uh, with writing where I'm like, oh, when I finish this book, I'll be happy. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, well, actually, there's a lot of work to do there and it's kind of crap. And uh, then I got to worry about trying to send that to someone. And and, and all of that stuff is n- negating the happiness and not even let me have the satisfaction. Is it almost like my expectation that that is going to make me happy? And then when it doesn't makes it worse. Well, yeah. let's, re- let's redefine happiness. Let's just stop using that word. Okay. It's true. Let's I I like to substitute the word contentment or satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that expectation piece is pretty key. Because if I've made a decision somewhere along the way and and I think you know a lot of us do this without realizing we're doing it. Um we have an internal narrative, right? About what is it that's going to make us make us what is it that's going to bring happiness and what did, what do we expect to achieve that will get us there? And so we do attach expectations to our idea of, of our moods or what's going to be fulfilling, however you want to put it. And these expectations can really interfere. Um, so, for example, um, I had a lot of expectations about what it was going to be like to have my first child. And it didn't include two deaths in that year. And it made that first year um, wonderful and joyful because of this beautiful baby. Um, And it was also a really tough year because we lost um, my grandfather who raised me quite early on when my son was less than four weeks old. 
and um, my husband's mother, who had so looked forward to being a, an active, caring, present grandparent, who was the local grandparent, my mom being thousands of miles away. Um, and so that was really difficult, and it certainly interfered with my being able to be just present in the experience of motherhood. Um, you know, I was going to hospice every day um, for the first few months of my son's life. And I was really struggling with the um, what I had hoped to feel in that first year of motherhood and what I was having to deal with, which was a great deal of grief and loss. And I'm mentioning this because I think in terms of expectations, we need to talk about grief and loss. Mm -hmm. In terms of feeling happy, we have to acknowledge what's actually going on for us. Um, because holding the space for all of our emotions is part of what, uh, of our human experience. And so grief, and loss, and anger, and a sense of defeat from time to time, and all of this is what makes us us. Um, so. Well, and this is um, to, build, to build on that and to throw, since we're, we've now broached personal examples. Um, so chat. This is the last broadcast with for me in my 30s. By the time we broadcast this next week, I will have had a big milestone birthday. I will have turned 40. And I will say that my 30s did not go according to plan. Um, there are some big milestones that I looked forward to achieving by the time I was 40 that I didn't do that for, you know, for various reasons. I was hoping to, you know, be married with kids. I am divorced and childless. And at the same time, we talked about this in the pre-production meeting of, I think, I think the metaphor Trevor used was having horse blinders, you know, basically having tunnel vision on certain goals and being just, super attached to certain goals is the only measure of happiness. And one of the things I did um, a couple days ago was because uh, I, I was really struggling with a lot of this stuff, still am in certain respects. Um, but I started listing out all the stuff I've accomplished in the last five years. And I had never really looked at that as a list. And while none of it included, you know, being married and in a stable relationship and having kids, there's a lot of stuff I hadn't considered. And if I stay anchored to this idea that my only source of contentment is to accomplish, you know, this goal, this goal, this goal, and I ignore the literally at this point, two pages single spaced of other stuff I've come up with, I am going to be miserable. Mm-hmm because I'm too locked into certain things. And that's not to say those things aren't important to me. Like Mitra brought up the idea of grief and loss, not to say it's, you know, over for me, but it's, you know, I didn't, didn't make a certain milestone. It, um, being anchored to that would have, would have just been awful. Absolutely mm -hmm. awful. Mm -hmm. And so for, I'm, I'm learning to shift and grieve certain things while saying, Hey, I can also accept that this has happened and this is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great definition from the outside. And, you know, it's your experience. So let me know if you agree um, of contentment, of what Working it is it. to have acceptance. <sighs> hmm. and, and I think acceptance is key you know, uh, to our experience, because otherwise, what are we judging this idea of happiness on? You know, is it something external, like, I'm going to become a doctor, and you know, sounds good, sounds pretty great to people, right? So that may, may that that may feel really good, you know, mm -hmm. but am I, is that what I truly want? Where is the, is the, contentment or acceptance or where's the idea of that goal i should be more clear where's the idea of that goal coming from within the self without the self right and and one isn't necessarily the only important measure right because we live in relationship to others we live in community 
mm-hmm. um, and whether my mom is proud of me or not does actually matter, particularly if I love and am connected to my mom, right? Um, so that idea of what we achieve is ours and also um, occurs in relationship. But at some point, it has to be something that we take on for ourselves in order for it to become contentment. Yeah. Well, and it, uh, one of the things, one of the things I remember talking to clients about way back when was the idea of, again, defining terms and because I used to work with so many people who were self-deprecating because they haven't achieved happiness, despite the fact that they didn't know what that achievement would look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The way I, the way we talked about it often was running a race that if you don't clearly know where the finish line is, you'll never know if you've crossed it mm-hmm. and defining what brings you satisfaction, defining what will bring you contentment, can be an absolutely crucial step on figuring out where that finish line is. But the thing is, one, you may discover in the middle of it that this is not the race you actually want to be running. Mm -hmm. Or two, once you've crossed that finish line, doesn't mean you can't run another race. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And part of that experience of um, contentment um, is staying connected to yourself. And not just the acceptance piece, but the um, what matters to me piece. Um, and what is it in my life that's creating um, an internal stability and a resilience? Because I think, you know, Dr. B, when you talk about looking at that list, you know, the two pages of things that you accomplished, um, you were able to move from the, um, oh, I didn't, this thing that I hoped for to be married with kids at 40, that, that's not happened. But it's resilience to then be able to turn and look at all of the things that have happened. Um, mm-hmm. And they were unexpected, I will say. Yeah. Like, I um, I didn't expect my career to have the left turn that it did. I trained mm-hmm. working in the prison system. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. I liked working with the guys. Uh, I liked working with the guys back then. But I, largely due to, I know in retrospect, my undiagnosed at the time autism, I tanked my interview for mm-hmm. a job post-graduation in a now, in retrospect, hilarious manner. it was oh my god it was bad it was so bad (laughs) but tanking that interview meant I had to I had to forge a different path for myself Mm -hmm. and in my career and define things a little differently and it opened up some unexpected doors Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have I wouldn't have seen otherwise being too anchored to this idea that I'm going to work you know, for the government for 20 years, get a pension, and that will be that. Exactly. And I think that that's such an important piece, that that capacity to tack and shift comes from that place of of also self-acceptance. And um, when you see yourself in an environment, or you have an idea that it's going to be great to be in this one environment, and then you're in that situation, and it really isn't a fit, um, it's important to recognize that and not to judge yourself for it, but to recognize that until we have some experience in a variety of life contexts, we're not going to know what a fit is. You know, we don't come into this world with some wisdom about what's going to make sense for us and what isn't. It's actually the experience of being in various situations which helps us know um, where we belong. And it's also important not to force ourselves, you know, the whole square peg round hole situation, right? You know, it's important not to force ourselves into something that isn't a fit for us. Um, But it's also important to have patience with ourselves so that we can really figure out what's going to work. So I'm I'm not the only one 
that's kind of stumbling through life without a roadmap? <laughs> I think all of us are uh, to some degree or another, because the problem with a roadmap is you might really like the roadside attraction and you may want to take a left turn. And if you're not going to allow yourself to do that, how are you going to have a good time? <laughs> I, don't know. I, like... I also think that the, you're, there's a possibility that your romance roadmap is out of date. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so I can, I can actually draw on an experience I had many years ago where um, I grew up. So I grew up drawing and painting and, and doing lots of sort of art and writing stuff. And, and I really loved it. And I, um, I was working as a chef and I decided that I would give myself the, the gift of, you know, trying art school to see how it felt because I was pretty sure I was going to really like it. Okay. And so I did a year of art school while working, which wasn't very much fun to try and pull it all off. But um, when I was in art school, and it was great because there were other students who were also a bit older and had kind of had life experience. And so it come to this experience of being in art school with a great deal of passion. They were super excited to be there because like me, They'd done a few other things in their life, and they were now going to give themselves, you know, this gift, right? And they were really passionate and driven, many of them. And you know what I discovered about myself? I wasn't. And it was a shock. Uh, so I had been planning on doing another degree, and towards that, you could take a couple of other courses. Like the art school thing could be credits for something else, and you could take if you were on an art school stream, you could take like art history and something else. But mm -hmm. I decided I would take psychology. And at some level, I'd known I wanted to do therapy, but I had this idea that I would do the art and then I would do some form of art therapy. And it was very unclear. And you can see, as I say this, that I didn't really have a clear roadmap. I had some ideas, but there wasn't a real strong felt sense of where I was going. What happened was, as I took a second year psychology course, and it was all about attachment theory. And for the first time in a long time, I felt this sense of like a jigsaw puzzle piece or a Lego piece or something just really clicking into place. Um, you got that single four straight oh, brick and it just, the it Tetris just was going to happen. It is right there. And you're just like, yes, yes, this is where I belong. And everyone else is staying late and doing their art projects and they're, you know, really in love with, the, you know, all that. And then I and I and I'm basically my nose is buried in John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth. And I'm just in love. And that's how it's been ever since. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I hadn't gone to art school, maybe I wouldn't have taken that particular course because it's not actually a common second year course. I've never seen it anywhere else. And it was just one of those moments. So kind of going where your nose takes you works. But mm -hmm. being married to specific ideas is maybe not so great. So that was what I took from it anyway at the time. So you're, what, you're, what you're both telling me is this atlas I have that is trying to plot me through the Soviet Union may be a little out of date. That's what I'm saying. I think <laughs> the map. <laughs> okay. All um, right. Well, let's... It, oh, oh, you got, you got something else to say. I was going to take the break, but if you got something else out of there, let's... let's He's right there. Mm -hmm. I was, but mm -hmm. as we have discussed before, all three of us have executive functioning challenges, <laughs> and it's yeah. gone. <laughs> My apologies. Oh, uh, no, I remember it. I remember it. Yes. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yes. Um, no, uh, one, of the things, one of the things I like to think about, because I, I saw in the chat people bringing up happiness-seeking activities, I, I really seek out... I, I try and reframe a lot of my activities as empowering activities because what Mitra's brought up the sense of resilience, mm -hmm. the idea that we can make it through things. And I, I like to look for evidence that, yeah, I want things to be fun because who doesn't like fun? Yeah. I mean, fun, everybody likes fun. May they have a different definition of it, but fun is enjoyable by definition. And, and, but I want I still want activities that show me I can do things. I can feel mm -hmm. empowered yeah. enough to make it through the difficult times because that's what brings me satisfaction. That's mm -hmm. what brings me contentment. Mm -hmm. Believing I can. Just mm -hmm. in general, I can. Yeah. 
I think one of the best measures of an activity um, or a path that will do that is when you know when you start out that you're not yet good. But you, yeah. that doesn't demoralize you, that you actually want to become good, that you're interested in working at it, and that you recognize that there's something along the path that's that's also really enjoyable about that for you. Because, you know, when you start out, you know, training as a therapist or, you know, you know you're going to, well, you hope you won't make mistakes. You certainly don't want to make any serious ones. But I remember being in the interview for this for grad school and saying, I just don't want to make any mistakes. And the director looking me right in the eye with his pale blue eyes and saying, oh, you'll make mistakes. <laughs> it was a terrifying moment. Absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. terrifying. <laughs> but it didn't stop I me. <laughs> I will say I, I did just right now have the realization that my writer brain is healthier than my normal brain because like my writer brain, I'd be like, yeah, probably everything I wrote today was absolute crap, but I wrote 2000 words. So screw it. Um, yes. But then like my normal brain, I got all this housework done, but you didn't get enough of it done. And uh. it's like, it, it, it's like, yeah, but I did it. Like, doesn't matter. Yeah, um, some people call those the brain weasels. Oh, you wanna? Yes, disclaimer yeah, break. Let's, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, let's let's take a quick disclaimer break to remind our viewers and listeners of what we got going on, and then we'll come back and finish up our conversations and check in with chat. Be right back. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. All right, so the last part that we've got here is talking about contentment, and we were talking before uh, in our, in our pre-show about uh, contentment being a stand-in for satisfaction. Um. So, so what do we mean by that? Like, what, what, what do we mean by like, how do we find contentment? So for me, contentment, um, I think a big part of it is, is, um, acceptance, uh, mm-hmm. of, of ourselves and where we, where we are. Right. Because, and I think acceptance is partly also recognizing the context in which we are operating. I've had many of my clients say this year that they feel they're not progressing in some way. And I remind them that there's been a pandemic and mm-hmm. that there's um, it, that it's difficult to progress in that way when we're also trying to stay safe and keep our families safe, you know, and, and take care of our work and our, our pets and our grocery shopping and all the rest of it. So really recognizing what we're actually dealing with, that's the acceptance, and that recognizing our own capacities and limits through an experience as well. I, I like to think of the words good enough. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I, I have um, someone, there's someone I used to be in a relationship with who had very black and white, all or nothing type thinking. And it came out in in some ways, in somewhat funny ways, um, that if something wasn't perfect, it was broken. And it got even to the point that those of you, those who know me know I love music. Like I have a deep, passionate love of music. And I remember mentioning to this person one that like, uh, played played her an old Aretha Franklin album where Aretha's voice uh, voice was so powerful the equipment could not keep up with her. Um, and I remember my uh, th- this person saying, eh, it's not that great. Her voice isn't that great. I'm like, Aretha? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> 
And it, it became this sort of prototypical example for me that getting caught up in this idea of perfection, of having tunnel vision on perfect or broken, mm-hmm. it it can take us down. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the it, it the idea of being satisfied with I've accomplished enough, things are good enough, things are satisfactory for me to feel good about them Mm -hmm. that's an important thing because you know it's not always as as it's not always as amusing as someone saying no aretha franklin doesn't have a good voice because i'm sorry what yeah no um Mm -hmm. but it i i saw that same person throughout the course of our relationship never be satisfied despite all the things i could point out in her life that she was amazing at and uh, had done that nobody else I know had ever done. And it was sad to me. Mm -hmm. It's this question of comparison, isn't it? Because like, if you're looking for perfection or you have some idea of, you know, some ideal that you should reach, or um, you're continually measuring yourself against others, there's always going to be someone who's doing better and there's always going to be someone who's doing worse, if you will, right, mm-hmm. than you are. And and that's not the best measure. The measure should be you and your context. And by that I mean, how am I doing this year versus last year or mm-hmm. the year before? And more important, am I taking the context into account? Like, If I were to measure myself professionally this year versus two years ago, you know, um, my practice looks different because it's mostly been online. Um, So part of my journey then has been to get better doing this work online so I can still be the therapist I want to be for clients. But that, Mm -hmm. you could argue, is kind of more lateral than it is, woo, I'm so much better as a therapist. And that's a, that's a measure that's hard because it's not actually my measure. My measure of how I'm doing is how people are responding and whether they're helped. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of this, it's kind of pretty multi focused, if you will, in terms of that. But also my measure as a person is how am I doing in my life? How do I feel about that? But also how do the people around me feel? Am I still a supportive person in their lives? What's mm-hmm. going on for me? What's going on for them? Do you see what I mean? So it's very, it's yeah. difficult. We can't really extricate ourselves particularly well from the environment in which we're functioning and the effect of that environment on us. And then we also have to know what we can change and what we can't. You know, it's like that old mm-hmm. serenity prayer, right? I'm not right. much for prayers, but it's about, um, you know, accepting what you can change um, or sorry, recognizing what you can't change, accepting what you can't, and really being able to tell the difference between those two things. And your your mm-hmm. uh, happiness or contentment shouldn't hinge upon those things that you um, can't change because there's an exercise in frustration, right? Yeah. Well, I, I've been seeing in the chat people resonating with this idea of not chasing perfection, but I, I would challenge everybody here myself included i mean i'm i'm talking as much to me as anybody else um <laughs> i want to reframe perfection for myself as betterment mm. not seeking mm. out perfection but constantly striving to improve like mitra pointed mm. out am i doing better than i was overall yeah um recognizing that there are going to be bumps along the way Recognizing that improvement is not a linear path, but it's a series of oscillations, and am I trending upward? Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what I want to go for. Um, the the idea of okay, I did X, Y, and Z. Cool. How much further can I take that? Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. I missed these two things Mm -hmm. i accomplished these 10 yeah let's see what i can improve on on those and maybe somewhere along the line get 
these other things in a very in certain ways if I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's different measures along which we, um, or sorry, different areas along which we measure ourselves. So, how am I doing in terms of relationships? How am I doing in terms of career? How am I doing in terms of physical, you know, health, emotional health, spirituality? You know, there's all these different areas that may matter to us. You know, our personal creativity uh, might come into play, and so. Looking at all that, and it's not, again, it's not linear, and it's not always going to be an upward, you know, it's kind of up, it's kind of down, you know, as you say, if the trend line is generally improvement, then we can feel good. And if it's, if it's not, then we can allow ourselves to be kind, and also to take into account our life circumstances. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm super, yeah. if I'm sick or chronically dealing with, with something, whether it's mental health, physical health, challenging circumstances at home, um, my personal, individual, creative trend line, <laughs> my, you know, but it's going to, but that creative self is going to be taken up with coping with my life and maybe coming up with better solutions to manage tough things. Mm-hmm. That's an achievement. Yeah. So. I just um, realized something. Oh, yeah. That so much, so much of how I measure my own contentment, my own satisfaction is tied up with the meaning I want to make out of my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, one of the one of the things I do is I, I keep actually two feel good files. One of them physical, one of them electronic. For anything that I accomplish or somebody says to me that meets those me- the the goals of meaningfulness that I want to create in my life and because for me and I, I maybe this is true for other people maybe it's not but I I find my brain my brain weasels have a hard time arguing with physical evidence <laughs> <laughs> oh you've never made a difference to anybody for the better but here's all these people literally saying you have uh mm-hmm. brain weasels kind of go uh we're gonna take a huddle and regroup <laughs> yes uh, we're gonna come Fine. back with some creative new ways of being brain weasels but you win this round yes <laughs> and, yes but so much of how i measure my contentment is based on the the impact i want to have based on the meaning that i create from things and for me that's making an impact that's helping people that's trying to help the world, you know, be a little better than I found it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, I, I realize it's for me, that satisfaction and contentment starts with that meaning making. Definitely. Because if it doesn't have personal meaning to us, uh, how do we, where is it in terms of uh, its significance in our lives? Right. So, you know, unfulfilling job, but you're doing a great job performing. What's that mean to you? Now that would depend. Did, does your job hold meaning for you as something that's important in your life, or is it just a way to earn money to support other aspects of mm-hmm. your life? And if that's mm-hmm. the case, maybe it's not a big deal. Maybe mm-hmm. you're not looking for specific kinds of fulfillment from your work, and that's fine, you know? But that's the piece, right? If it was important to you and your job was unfulfilling, then it would interfere with your contentment it would undercut your sense of being where you want to be in life, right? And I think this is really an important one because we get told a lot to follow our passions and our dreams. And a lot of those seem to be around this idea of what we're doing for work. It's certainly yeah. not the only measure of contentment. And for some people, it doesn't. it's not actually a measure at all, except that they be employed, that their work environment be relatively pleasant, but the actual job description isn't so important to them. And mm-hmm. that's great. It doesn't have to be. That's mm-hmm. not necessarily its purpose. You define what its purpose is. I, I, an example uh, is an, actually uh, my, one of my ex-wife's cousins who all she ever wanted to, be, would to do was raise a family. The, the job that she had was a placeholder until she could be a mom. And when she... I, she, you, you could see when she was with her kids, she lit up. Mm-hmm. This was everything to her, being a mom. The job, any job that she had was just a means to an end. 
of helping right. to helping to raise her to, of you know raising her kids. Yeah. And she was clear on that. She was absolutely clear on that when people would when people would ask her, "Well, are you planning on like leveling up your career or whatever?" And she's like, "Why? I've got my family. This mm. is what I want." Yeah. Mm. And I bet she was an amazing mom too. She was definitely a present mother. Oh my yeah. goodness, she was attentive and all of so many wonderful things. Fabulous. So her kids will have that lovely solid start that is so important um, that we wish for everyone. And I think that's it, right? It's it's about our ambitions and hopes and and dreams, and then dealing with grief and loss around those, right? But it's it's the meaning making. Um, that we do in our life that creates this sense of satisfaction and contentment or at the very, very least, that acceptance of the circumstances in which we're operating. You know, uh, yeah. you're a refugee who's, you know, struggled and you finally, you know, made it to a safe environment. Wow, mm -hmm. I can't even begin to imagine the achievements that what you've had to do to survive, the resilience, the the internal roadmap you've created maybe to protect your, your kids or your partner or any of that you know so we have a lot of ideas about what we're supposed to achieve some pretty lofty goals mm -hmm. survival's pretty good in some circumstances survival's uh -huh. everything yeah. living another day in order to um, survive and protect those you love that's pretty big yeah yeah so not to be underestimated well I, you know, you bring up a really good point, Mitra, that we we have this, I, so many of us have this idea of excelling is the only measure of success. And I, I was talking to some people who were constructing a measurement on this a couple days ago, and they, they had this five-point scale, and one through three had really negative connotation. Four and five were great, but where we started talking was that middle ground, that three. What's wrong with being in the middle? Mm. Nothing. That means you're doing mm -hmm. everything right. Mm -hmm. You're getting by. You're surviving. You're, you're maintaining. That's an accomplishment in and of itself. You're doing everything as expected if you can, if you can keep yourself in that middle. And honestly, we don't celebrate that enough. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, we have this idea of excellence. And we make a lot of uh, noise and drama about how important it is. But we're, it's like I'm starting swimming, you know, and what fun is it is. And somebody says, yeah, well, you know, you're not an Olympian. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What does it matter? Is that what I wanted? Maybe I just wanted a good time in the water. Yeah. Maybe I just also, wanted to uh, enjoy the sunshine. Like, come on. I, I know I've mentioned on the show before, but I'm going to say it again to people. Uh, if you have any friends who say they do writing or are a writer, do not ask them if you've ever read their work. Do not. Please stop. I hate that. Yes. Um, okay. Let's uh, let's go ahead and check in with chat. Uh, I feel like this is a good time so we can get some of their questions in here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Abyssal Icarus says, why is happiness valued more than contentment? Which is what we were talking about here. Uh, more than satisfaction, more than stability. And I think uh, I think we kind of answered that one. But it, it is true. that that is, uh, that is a good view to have. Um, because of marketing. That's why. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We didn't even get into that aspect oh, of God. it, but yeah, there's a lot of that in there. New, improved, fancy, <laughs> dazzling. You improve feel your like life this. today. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 No. Just yeah. buy our that. new beauty product. Actually, Tom Waits wrote a great song about it. <laughs> God dang it! Why is Tom Waits coming? Because I love that? Tom Waits. Okay. He shows up a lot. Actually, no. Let's talk about. Let's talk about that. Tom Waits is a good metaphor here because. He's passionate about this already. Dude cannot sing. Fair. Dude cannot sing. He growls real well. He and with growls melody. real well and he writes amazing stories. And Step Right Up is an entire parody mm -hmm. of marketing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, how would I say this? Relinathea? I think that's how you say it. Uh, uh, thanks for having the, this initiative here and normalizing talking about psychology and mental health. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you. 
Uh, let's see. Crafty Rebel, uh, this is already making me rethink how we perceive happiness. Despite what we are always told, even uh, the things we love can't bring us happiness all the time. Yes. As someone with ADHD, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, oh, man, that, that, nothing is more fun than to be like, this is going to be the dopamine hit that I need. And nope, apparently my hyper fixation has gone to something else. Now. Hey, Trevor, if you just play this video game, you will get yeah. the dopamine hit that you need to make you happy in life. Yeah, if I you really just wish buy my this brain... toothpaste. I really wish my brain would inform me that the 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 asterisk on that was for one day. Oh my god. <laughs> Hyperfixation I, has so dude, much to answer for. Dude, <laughs> I was so pumped for Skyward Sword remake. I got the Joy-Cons, I got the Amiibo, and I played it <laughs> once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that is a different thing. Think, uh, no, no, but actually I think it points to something pretty crucial. This idea that that which we're anticipating, right? Yep. And, the, and the sort of excitement or joy or whatever of that, um, not to be confused with the actual experience and, yep. and just accept that experience on its own terms and accept the anticipation mm -hmm. as just a really lovely, uh, lovely prelude, you know, mm -hmm. to who knows what, really. <laughs> well, yeah, sometimes that anticipation of fulfillment by just mm -hmm. this one more thing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that in and of itself becomes an unattainable fantasy because there's so many times, and I think we're all guilty of it at certain times in our lives, that we put so much on it, we put so much anticipation, so much expectation on just this one thing that 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 one thing cannot live up to our expectations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we're left dealing with the aftermath of, hey, this thing might be cool, but it's not the end-all be-all for everything we ever wanted in life because I can't think of many things that are. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the measure of doing something isn't that you're going to do it well the first time, you know, or even the second time or even the third time. You know, um, I remember first trying bread baking when, back when I was a chef, I started with cooking, I went into pastry, I got good at that, and then I had a job where I was supposed to make bread. Oh, um, bread. And I really had very little experience with it at this point. Mm -hmm. But I remember baking bread and thinking, I could be really good at this. Not thinking I was good at it, because I wasn't. Not thinking I was going to be good at it with the very next time I tried, but thinking, no, this is so awesome. And I feel, mm -hmm. essentially, I feel really good doing this and I want to keep doing it and it's fun. And I still break bread to this day and it's awesome. Um, <laughs> and sometimes the bread's good too. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and I did it professionally and people ate my bread. So, you know, there's something there. But, I, yeah. but it's still not, you know, there are some but, people who, yes. Well, you're bringing up that good enough. Yeah, your, exactly. Your, your measure enough, of good so enough. Important. People, yeah. people enjoyed your bread. Yes. It doesn't it necessarily have it. to win a, a you know a bread baking championship in Paris. It wouldn't. Yeah. But but people enjoy. It's probably <laughs> better saying. than mine. I am still trying to get a good challah recipe and make it not. It just yeah. I'm telling oh, you, man. Bread is we tricky. should do a challah episode. That would oh. be so much fun. I know it's come up on the show before. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna challah at you. Yeah, yeah. We should do that. We should do like we should pre-tape some parts and then we should you know. To do a our episode. Oh God! You'll you're adding to my production skills. <laughs> no, no, no rush, no rush. We'll work um, this out somehow. It's so, going to happen. Yeah. Because Doctor uh, B and I are committed. Mm -hmm. You know, we're anticipatory. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. No, maybe. Yeah. Welcome to the Doctor Bake Off. <laughs> Doctor Bake Off. Yeah. Oh, love it, love it. The B stands so, for bread. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Something really what he says. Self-acceptance is such a hard thing for me personally. Uh, I'm allowing myself some leniency with it at uh, at times. So, uh, you and me both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, you're pointing to pro uh, process versus product. The fun of doing something versus the result. So if I'm always focused on the result and the result has to be perfect, I'm going to have a lot less fun doing the thing because mm -hmm. I'm going to be very caught up in the end. And and so much of life is about the journey, right? As we I feel attacked. <laughs> and so I'm just going to go on. Like, sorry, love you. Mm -hmm. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, that's, a, that's so brilliant to just... You know, I, I know it's cliche, but finding contentment, finding moments of... In, of 
momentary happiness mm-hmm. and and that long-term contentment in having the, had the experience. And yeah, focusing on the end results has its place. Okay. But I, I think a lot of what we've been talking about today is being willing to change those end goals, being clear on what they are, but being willing to change those end goals with changing circumstances, because this we're dealing with this hodgepodge of both personal abilities and goals, environmental factors, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, just uh, uh, getting technical. And now uh, Mitra will know what I'm talking about. I'm thinking Brom from Brenner right now. Just oh, of course, Brom yeah, from Brenner is fantastic level for that, macro and just system, all of the, and yeah, all exactly. Um, That'll be another episode. Hi, sometime. jargon. Hi. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you're d- basically contentment becomes a a swirling mash of both personal goals, abilities, and environmental factors. That mm-hmm. yeah, it's swirling. There's eddies. There's tides. There's currents. Yeah, and, and you know, and and a big piece of it is like, can we be there for the experience? Right? Mm-hmm. Can we be there to just fully embrace, understand, take part in whatever that experience is? And it could be a wedding, it could be a funeral, right? It could be bread baking with your aunt. It, it could be um, just being by yourself, you know, in the kitchen or wherever else and trying mm-hmm. out a thing, right? Are we, is it okay for us to fail in our minds, right? We may have had an idea. Can we look at it? in terms of success from a different place. If I'm with someone I really care about and we make terrible bread, for example, have we had fun? Did we do something fun? Did we try Mm -hmm. something new? Did we enjoy ourselves? Then that's a great memory. Like Mm -hmm. I talked at the beginning of this episode about the death of my grandfather. And one of my favorite memories in life is putting my new baby into my grandfather's arms. And my mom and aunt and I stood back and watched these two people who were in the doorway going in different Mm. directions. But it was an absolutely electrifying moment that I will never forget and that I'm so glad I could show up and be there for that. Yeah. Because it was so meaningful to my own experience in life. So, you know, there we go. Mm -hmm. And there was some incredible joy about that moment in spite of the great sorrow that was also accompanying it yeah i uh i I don't think there is a better way that we could end this episode uh that is i think where we're gonna stop for this week uh thank you both for sharing the stories that you did uh if people wanted to follow you on uh the social medias where would they find you so i'm at mitra jordan my twitter handle um I read every DM, I read every tweet, but I'm absolutely terrible at responding immediately. But I promise you <laughs> yeah. I'm there. Please feel free to reach out. And of course, my website is metrojordan.com. Um, and I now pass it over to the lovely Dr. Bokamatsu, who is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, pro- I'm, profesh- I'm professionally around. <laughs> Just... Just what just what I go for. I need my face on Krieger from Archer's head. Just go uh, my face on his body. Just going, yeah, I'm around. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm Dr. B, Rafael Bocamazzo, clinical director at Take This. You can always follow Take This stuff at takethis.org or on all of the socials at takethisorg. Uh, you can follow me at, you know, the, oh, I knocked over Aww. the psychomancer. Oh, no. He's fine. But so here's where you can follow up. me, the Dr. B, T-H-E-E-D-O-C-T-O-R, B as in boy. I'm <laughs> on the socials. Oh, and guys, I'm just a master, not a doctor. It's a, it's an MA in counseling psychology. Ooh, you uh, got promoted. <laughs> well, it's, I guess it's like master of arts. So um, master Jordan, not Dr. Master Jordan, which would be so weird. I mean, I guess people did say that. One oh, yes, ma- just master to clarify. Jordan. Yes, yes, Master Jordan. Yes, Master oh, Jordan. Is, that's uh, it. Yes, Never letting it down yes. now. Uh, <laughs> ma- Master Jordan. Jordan is dispensing the advice. Oh God, dispensing. That's horrifying. Dispensing <laughs> life lessons. 
I, uh, you can find me on the Difficulty Class Podcast every Friday, as well as Champions of Lore every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on twitch.tv slash Games. You can also find me on Twitter at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there. I am a master of nothing because I'm a jack of all trades. Uh, thank you to Jay for moderating the chat as always and doing a fantastic Yay. job. Uh, and thank you to Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions. Uh, if you missed any part of this show, you can catch it later as a podcast at 2 p.m. on your favorite podcast services. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, send them into Champions of Psychology at CodenameEntertainment.com. Uh, if you are live with us uh, in chat right now, um, the, 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 the ah, words are hard. <laughs> uh, Bardic Inspiration is postponed this week, uh, so uh, there will be a rebroadcast if you want to stick around for that. Uh, but a uh, new episode will be next week. Um, and yeah, so that is going to do it for this week's episode. So until next week, take care of yourself. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.